0: Turn in our Bibles to uh, Exodus 20 as we continue, I can't do this, I've got to be right in the center, as we continue our lessons in systematic theology. We're using, of course, John frames systematic theology as the skeleton. And uh, no telling what we'll end up talking about, but we're at least using his, him to outline us and using a lot of his thoughts here because I really think that he did a great job um, bringing this all to bear. Exodus 20, we know the Ten Commandments, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day, to keep to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou work, and do all thy shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle nor thy stranger that is within thy gate. For, this is a a clause for purpose, for in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth the sea and all that in them is and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. We're looking at creation. We've been looking at uh, the doctrine of God. And we've, uh, we're talking first, before we talk about the attributes of God, we're talking about the works or the acts of God. And we've gone backwards, if you will. We first talked about this idea of miracle. So the first act of God is miracle. What is a miracle? Miracle. An extraordinary act of God. Okay, so can Satan do miracles? Not by this definition. (laughs) He can do lion wonders. uh, But he can't do an extraordinary act of God. Uh, A miracle is an extraordinary act of God that does what? It manifests God's lordship. All right, so it manifests all the, the three attributes of lordship His control, His authority, His presence. So a miracle is the extraordinary act, and then we talked about providence. What is providence? The ordinary works of God. And we saw the scope of providence. And what does providence do? It does the same thing the miracles do, just in a broader sense. It's the extraordinary, it's the ordinary acts of God in space and time, whereby he manifests himself as Lord. So the sun rose this morning. What was that but an ordinary act of God, whereby He we establish his lordship, his... his uh, his control, his presence, his authority. Uh, and whether you're studying through the microscope or the telescope or whatever it is, we're looking at the works of God. Uh, if we're studying human history, we're looking at the works of God. Whether we're studying uh, individual lives and uh, providence, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purposes. That is providence. So we have providence and then... We're going all the way back to the very beginning now. Creation. These are the three acts of God that we're looking at. Creation. Well, what is creation? Well, creation isn't ordinary because before, before the act of creation, um, before the act of creation, there was no ordinary uh, thing. So, Uh, It is extraordinary, it is miraculous, uh, but we we deal with it differently than we do with the miraculous. Uh, Creation, defining creation is the very, uh, uh, creation is an act of God alone. So there are some people, Gnosticism, for instance, that came in after Christianity was heavily, Influenced by the philosophy of Plato and Aristotle and others, uh, not uh, other of the Greek pagan philosophers, um, saw a God, if God existed at all, as completely separate from the created realm. So much so that he could not intermingle. So they had the Gnostics had to uh, posit. The existence of something less than God to create because God couldn't dirty his hands by creating it would defile God. They, not only could they not stand the idea of resurrection and incarnation, the idea that Jesus Christ as God took upon himself human flesh and they denied the resurrection, they denied the death of Christ, they denied, but they denied creation altogether. They had to have some intermediary being, and often an evil being at that, to create the physical world because they believed the physical world was evil. They had this, uh, they had this uh, dualistic, uh, not dualistic, but this belief of uh, this this gradient of being, whereby when you get to God, you get to this perfect being, and everything else is everything else below that is less than, uh, which is not biblical. Creation is an act of God, God alone, by which for his own glory he brings into existence everything in the universe, things that had no existence prior to his creative word. That's how we define, that's how we're defining uh, creation. So uh, this is him working with that which already exists. So miracle and providence, it already exists. It's there. And he is manifesting himself either extraordinary ways or ordinary ways in those things. Uh, creation is bringing those things into existence. And we talked about this having two different parts to it. First, we have this idea of creation ex nihilo. Creation ex nihilo. Let me write this out. I'll write it in big letters so you can see it. Ex nihilo. That's what happens in Genesis 1-1. What does this Greek words mean? What does ex mean? Y'all remember from last week? We talk about someone being ecstatic. Uh, they were excited. They have, they're, they're, they're outside of themselves. X X X rather means out of. What's nihilo mean? Anybody know what? Nothing, right? So out of nothing. Uh, we saw that in Hebrews. The things which appear were not, were not made of things, or the things which are were not made of things which do appear. There's nothing that we can say, okay, this is the sum and substance of what God used to create. What did God use to create in Genesis 1-1? Nothing. By his own power, he brought all things into existence. Yes? Uh-huh. He didn't he didn't use pre-existing material. Uh and there are a lot of people will still try to claim that God did not create the material world. He just rearranged the material world. That the material world is just as divine as God. And therefore you lose the idea of God. God is now that chair. God is now that God is now you and the snail and the snake and uh and the Buick that you drove the church in. Uh, God is all these things. Uh, God is not the material world. He created everything ex nihilo by himself. There was nothing else pre-existing except for God, and God, by his own power, created all out of nothing. And then what did he do? The six days of creation, what are they described? Him taking that thing which was according to Genesis 1-2 was without form and with a, and void and dark and He began to create distinctions in it. Separations. Things that did not exist were brought into existence. Forms, life, darkness, or a day, a day and night and, and all the divisions and separations and distinctions that you and I now observe. Were brought to being. So, we, so uh, you have the creation, uh, the cre- act of creation that's ex nihilo. Then you have the cre- uh, act of creation that is design, where He is imprinting design and purpose and distinctions in this world. He is the source of all beauty. Uh, so. That's how we define creation, and then we got into this idea that creation is the foundational principle of worship. Thus says the Lord: Heaven is my throne; earth is my footstool. What place could you? What place of worship can you give me? Uh, what is the temple but but uh, a picture in and of itself of the creation itself? Uh, God is is enthroned and he is thus worshipped in creation. This is so awkward. All right. Um, so, uh, heavens declare the glory of God. We looked at all these things. Um, when we're looking at creation, it, 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 uh, it brings forth this idea that all of creation is worshipping its creator. And now let's pick up from there: creation and God's lordship. So obviously, not not just like miracles and just like providences, um, we are creation declares that He is Lord, and that's why it's important for us to see creation as an act of God. Whatever created is God alone, and because what what the creator is. The object of worship, and if we create, if we worship something less than God, we are idolaters. We have made that thing God. We had made that thing supreme. Um, creation reveals His lordship. First, it describes ownership. He is the owner of all things. He. Uh, if I was to. Uh, Take Jeff's wallet. Jeff would get mad. <laughs> if I was to steal, uh, if I was to steal Tina's car, she'd probably get upset. She worked, right? <laughs> and she paid for the car and it's hers. She has ownership. Well, everything you see here belongs to the Lord. Uh, we don't really own anything. Uh, we're stewards of it. Uh, turn to, uh, Psalm 24. Psalm 24. The ultimate owner of everything is God. And that's why you're going to have to give, give an account for everything. Amen? So then every one of us is going to have to give an account. Why do we, why we have to give an account? Are we not our own? No, we were created. Somebody has ownership of us. So we belong to God. We are His. Uh, Psalm twenty-four: The earth is the Lord's. Amen. <laughs> Who does the earth belong to? I mean, we. I mean, I, I, this is this is not a stab at the doctrine of of, of uh, private ownership. Uh, I believe in private ownership. That's why we got a command, thou shalt not steal, and thou shalt not covet, right? Because <laughs> God has, has given dominion the right of ownership. But, his, but that is just a pale comparison to his right of ownership. Whatever you and I own or call ours is just a smaller picture of the fact that he indeed owns it all. The earth is the Lord's. And just in case you think that that's just talking about the globe and the fullness thereof. Okay, so we're established every material thing that you and I see is his. The world. Now, what does the world mean? Why, why Why is he just repeating himself? What's the difference between the earth and the world? Well, let's look at the pronoun that follows it. The world and they that dwell therein. Talking about the world of human beings. Who belongs to the Lord? The earth is the Lord's. The world is the Lord's. Everything that is in the earth is the Lord's. And the people that are in the earth are the Lord's. There's a parallel. For he, why? Why is this so? We have the purpose in verse 2. For he founded it upon the sea and established it upon the floods. What gives him the absolute right of ownership? He created it. And this is not just talking about Adam and Eve. He created you. He formed you in your mother's belly. Psalm 139. Your parts were created by him in secrets. You are an object of creation just as much as Adam was. Presently, everything belongs to him. And if it belongs to him, what does he have a right to do? All right, if I was to tell Tina, Tina, you can't take your car to Florida. I'm sorry. You just can't do it. You're going to say What are you going to say to me? You're going to say you can't tell me what to do with my car? What is Christ or what is God, well Christ, what 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 does God have a right to do with his creation? Anything he pleases. He has even more right to his property than we have to ours because we, we, we rightly set aside some of our rights for the sake of community and things of that nature. Uh, and I'm not saying social contract theory is necessarily a, uh, a good philosophy, but we do. We, 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 we don't have a right to do whatever we want. Tina can drive to Florida if she wants, but she can't drive to Florida and run people over with it. <laughs> Someone's going to put a stop to it, But cry, but God... There's no, there's no law above God there's no limits to God God has a right to do whatever he wants with his creation so it display as the owner of all things it displays his lordship so this is this. I don't know why I even bother putting one here this is a lordship this brings us into the realm of lordship and what are the three attributes of lordship control Authority and presence. As Frame says, these are the lordship attributes of God. Creation displays his lordship, his, his lordship attributes. It displays his control. Uh, he established it's rules. Uh, we, 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 dis, we define that in a way as natural law, but he established it. Um, why is, uh, why is uh, the law of gravity the way it is and have the dimension or, or the, the uh, what's it called? <laughs> Not the attributes, but, but the uh, value that it does. Why is the law of gravity stronger and therefore me shorter? Uh, why, is, uh, why is the laws of uh, governing electromagnetism set the way they are? Why is the entropy rate set the way it is? Because God did that. Well, uh, all the laws, all the rules by which this world exists the parameters of it what we would describe as the laws of nature were things that were contingent in and of themselves and that's one of the things that we were talking about before with with scientists and astronomers and cosmologists everything that you and I experience that is necessary for life all those values all those parameters of all these laws of nature did not have to be the way the way they are they're contingent things. They could be differently. Why are they? Way, why? But praise God they are because we can exist, right? Because we couldn't exist in any other world. But he created it to be inhabited. He set the parameters. He is in control of all those things, everything. So he uh, has absolute, it, it describes his control. We shouldn't sit around thinking why things are the way they are when we know that they are so contingent you're not unless you have a mind at work to set the values specifically the way they are they would not be the way they are we read we read uh, there in Exodus 20 six days he created by the way that was uh, I was listening to someone this morning that was written by the very finger of God himself the Son of God, meeting uh, Moses at the top of the mount. Uh, Psalm 146 says, Blessed he is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made the heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, who keeps faith forever. Uh, Revelation 4.11. Again, we're, we're demonstrating uh the pleasure or the will of God in creation. Thou hast created all things and for your pleasure or by, their, by your good will they are and were created. We're looking at his power when we're looking at these things. Colossians 1.16, he created thrones, he created dominions, he created powers. Uh, all the ruling authorities are derived from the fact that he created them to be as they are. So we have control, we have authority. How did he do it? Well, Jimmy has already hopped ahead of us and said he did it by his word. The word of his power, exousias, his authority. That's how he did it. And that's how it describes it from the very beginning. It says that he created through his word and he spoke the things into the existence. What did he say? Let there be and there was. So he ordered like they were his servants to become. He he looked at nothing and he said, let there be. And there was. And he was like a commander issuing orders to his servants. Uh, and that's what we're seeing when we're looking at that. We're seeing his absolute authority to just proclaim something to be and it obeys. its I don't want to get ahead of myself about a picture of salvation and creation, but what did he say of Abraham, Abraham's faith? Abraham believed that he was able to call those things that are not as though they are. Or what we just quoted from Hebrews 11.3, that he was able to create everything you see from things that cannot be seen. Nothing. Creation ex nihilo. He even was able to... able. By his authority to bring being from non-being. They sprung into existence by his mere command. Psalm 33. Let's continue to explore the scriptures concerning this. this the, the, the doctrine of his control or his authority in creation, established in creation. Psalm 33 and verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Verse 9. For he spake and it was. They, they added that in italics, done. It was done. But re- really the, it reads, For he spake and it was. It happened. It became. He commanded, look, look how it's now using the terms of authority. He commanded and it stood fast. That word command is giving greater color to this idea of speaking. He spoke command. He commanded it to be and it was. John one, 1 identifies this very word, this very authority as Christ himself. In the beginning was the Word. Whereby it says here, By the Word of the Lord they were created, they were made, He commanded and it was. Christ is that very authority. Shares in that very authority. And it begins to speak in that very chapter about... about, it be all things being made by him. Colossians 1, 15 and sixteen does the very same thing. Jesus demonstrated this very authority in his very miracles. He commanded and the storm ceased. He was able to create and he had the authority to command. And as the authority isn't just by the word he made all things, but he is also the one that interprets it. He, by his authority, not only creates it, but he gave it, gave it meaning. This was established in the beginning. God separated the light from the darkness, he, and he did what? You all got, that, we got Genesis 1 memorized yet? And he, what did he do after that? He called he called the light day and the darkness he called night so he not only brought it into existence but he names it he defines it and by defining he interprets it he calls it what it indeed is um, and that it goes all the way through uh, this calling and this naming, and the ancient east said uh, said uh, frame was not merely this idea of labeling, and there a certain amount of authority that Adam had when he was naming things uh, the, uh, and categorizing and uh, but that that was a a picture of headship and things of that nature but but here. We have God first interpreting and calling and so it's not merely a labeling of things. These are not arbitrary designations, but real designations, chosen not merely for aesthetics, like we wrestled naming uh, uh, Eli, and I think we could have, <laughs> I'm just not Fond of my middle name, never have been, but he ended up with my middle name as his first name. Uh, but I like it on him. I just don't like it on me. Uh, but it was aesthetical, right? It sounded nice. Uh, and but 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 uh, we did the same thing with uh, Oakley, uh, which which Holly is now wrangling about and saying, "Oh, we should have gone with Olivia." But we we had aesthetical things. But God is not simply. Naming things because it sounds good, but because it is exhibiting a truth about a thing. The name said something about the thing that was named. Like Nabal. (laughs) Nabal was rightly named. He was a fool. Uh, But God rightly names and interprets things. This This is his authority to interpret reality. And we we have ceded that authority to ourselves. Uh, Even in religious circles. You can't really go through too many religious services without hearing someone say, I declare to be this. And they'll stand I I declare this and I declare that. What are they doing? They're claiming the authority to call things into existence. Uh, the power of positive thinking of uh, the Crystal Cathedral guy, I can't remember his name, uh, uh, or or Joel Wolstein. Only speak positive things into your life. Only speak... Well, well, this is idolatry. God is the interpreter of all things. But broadly in our culture, we have seated that I create myself. I make my own personality. I make myself who I am. And then... I express that thing. God established the linguistic system in which the true nature of everything could be expressed. So not only do there, there, there's greater impact to him calling things, he is establishing the, the entire system by which things can be spoken of. Where did language come from anyway? God. There's nothing that exists independent of God. It came from a relational, uh, a being in relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Same place that all our emotional and, and tangible, re- or emotional and volitional realities come from. Uh, that comes from God. He spoke and He called. He created the entire linguistic system whereby we can speak of things and when there, and we, we, we believe in our ability for our language to describe reality only because God has created this entire system for us to be able to do this is all I, I, can, I, can, I can speak in predicates and I can speak in imperatives and, and I, 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 can, I can analogically speak about realities to a certain extent because that comes from God uh, he is also the one that evaluates it, ultimately. His authority is all throughout creation because he saw the day and night and he said it was good. He's the one that evaluates. He's the one that decides what is good, what is evil, what is right, what is wrong. And that is that began there at creation. His lordship is seen. And he is the one... Since creation is by his word, it also speaks of him doing all things by his wisdom. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, this is the, the wisdom of God at work in creation. Proverbs 3 verse, verse 19. The Lord, by wisdom, has founded the earth. By understanding, he has established the heavens. It really gets in my crawl sometimes, whatever that means, (laughs) that when someone says, well, that's just poorly designed, uh, speaking of something in creation. No, God, by his wisdom, made all things the way they are. Uh, It exhibits his wisdom. Um, the wisdom of God is at work is evident to the psalmist in one in Psalm 104 all throughout that psalm, and it boggles the mind of Job. What when when God finally answered Job? How did He answer him? And about what? About creation. He says, were you able to do this? Are you able to do that? They were seeking for wisdom at the end of their things. They were so. where is wisdom to be found? Is it going to be in the air? Can the eagle say, I found it? All this stuff. And God speaks and he begins to say, can you do this? You know, Do you understand this about creation? Do you understand? A, you know, it, we know so very little when it comes to our study of the natural world. But the more we look into it, I don't I don't know. But I've had various analogies of this, but if all the information just in your DNA just to replicate one single cell in your body for the purpose for which that cell was made, how much information's there? that's wisdom. It's wisdom that keeps you alive and keeps you regenerated right now you you're, you're, you're you're, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we cannot even study ourselves and the cells in our body without saying, My, God is wise. So creation is a revelation. A revelation of His authority. Everything you see came into existence, and it came into existence in such a way that exhibited the only wise God to whom glory and honor belongs forever and ever. Every fact of our experience reveals God to us, Frame says. So uh, the scriptures correlates God's creative word with the written word of scripture. As the heavens consistently declare the glory of God, where does Psalm 19 go from there? You all know Psalm 19. We, I'm talking about the part that we sing sometimes, right? <laughs> all right, so it begins the Psalms 19 begins, The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter a speech. Night unto night shows knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth. In them has he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and the circuit unto the ends of it and there is nothing hid from the heat, of, heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. You see, the, you see how the revelation of creation naturally leads to the revelation of His Word. God is a revealing God. First John, He is light. What does that mean, He is light? He's revealing That's why no one can say that his light is not seen. John 1, about creation, he lightens every man that comes into the world. We all have the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. There there is no such thing as atheist. They don't exist. And when they say they do, they're lying. They know. The very fact that they're Forming coherent sentences and speaking in the in in the realms of uh, rules of logic, and uh, uh, tell us that they already know that they are working in creation, and thinking in creation, and acting in creation. They know God. God has revealed Himself. God has spoken. Psalm 119, the creative word stands firm in the heavens. Psalm 119.89, you know that longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119.89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven, Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou has established the earth, and it abides. This is uh, just the truth of creation. What cre- creation reveals, He's Lord, and it reveals His very presence. His uh, very authority is; it demands His very presence. It establishes and manifests. What time is it? Do I have time to continue? I better hurry up and close. It establishes that he is present in his creation. Until we remind ourselves, says frame, of our alternatives to creation, we can't really see this. Um, There's unbiblical concepts of transcendence that you and I have already talked about, this idea that God is so great that we can't know him. No, he's made himself known in the things that he has made. Even his eternal power and Godhead, Romans chapter one. So the so the the Platonic thought, the Gnostic scheme that there is somehow this 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 demiurge, this this something less than God, this evil thing that they eventually uh, equated with the Son uh, in Gnosticism uh, is false. Uh, that's the same thing as Arianism. What, what, what's the, what, what is the, y'all know what Arianism is, right? Uh, that's, that's your local Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> uh, the, Arian, the Arian heresy is the son is something, he, we can call him God, Ari, the Arian, Arius said, but he's something less, he's like a demigod. And yeah, okay, he created everything, but he is himself created. And it came from that same Gnostic heresy. What is wrong with this? Is it denies the very tenet of creation because it says something less than God made everything. But that is not how the scriptures declare this. And that's why it's wrong with all of Greek philosophy and everything else as we try to apply it to the scriptures. It's wrong because the scriptures declare something that they didn't. That God Directly created everything. What you're seeing is the direct. And that idea of direct is this idea that when he was making it, he was present. When it was, na- he was speaking it. He was, it was prefer- coming forth out of his command. He was there. He's always been there and always will be there. His very finger touched this world. The Father together with the Son. And the Spirit created. But the Son and Spirit are not inferior beings, they're not like Aristotelian categories of something less. They are the very God, this very relational being, created all things and brought relational all relational realities to bear. So in creation God acts as Lord. He had no helpers. He he need not fear. A creation will somehow harm him or defile him. He cannot be confused, said Frame, with the world, for it does not emanate from his essence, but has its own distinct nature outside of himself. He created outside of himself all things. That's the idea of ex nihilo. Not out of himself, but out of nothing. Nothing. He controls all, interprets all, and thereby enters into an intimate relationship with his world. And when we realize that everything is a direct creation, then we can have real ideas of salvation. For God so loved the world, he's intimately here. And he has an intimate relationship with all things. The scripture lays the foundation for our understanding of salvation. And that's what we'll talk about next week. I kept you a couple minutes longer, but I hope you got something from that. And we'll talk about creation and redemption uh, next week. Any, any, uh, any uh, questions, gr- complaints, or grievances? No? Got it all figured out? Well, then you're doing better than I am. All right, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll pick up next week. Lord bless. We've got about 10 minutes.